Hi everybody and welcome to another edition of the Globe Podcast brought to you by the World Football Index. Tonight we're going to tackle a rather thorny topic um, in the form of Linfield Celtic in the qualifying rounds of the Champions League. And joining me on the pod I have Benjamin Roberts who is an author uh, of an upcoming book which I'm halfway through and it's absolutely brilliant and we're going to get him on to a pod whenever the, the book comes out but you uh, to do a bit of promo for it. But uh, he he has written on the subject of Northern Ireland football, so he's he's a good man to to get a bit of the historical uh, background on this one. Ben, first of all, very very welcome to WFI. How are you today? I'm good, thanks, Dave. How are you? Oh, hanging together on on the twelfth of July in Brazil. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, maybe, what a world! <laughs> what a world indeed. Uh, as, I, as I say, listen. Maybe before we start off, just give us a little bit of background on what you're doing. Obviously, the book and so on, and just for our listeners to to, to familiarise themselves. Yeah. So about a year ago, I it started out as a just a, an article that I I published on my own website, and it was just a bit of a background. Uh, before the Euros last year, um, which obviously Northern Ireland got to, um, first time they've been in the tournament, um, just looking at a bit of the sectarian history within Northern Irish football, within Irish League domestic football and within the national game. I put that out and a few hundred people read it. And then uh, over the last year, it's developed into, to well, about 80,000 words and it's coming out next month. Indeed, and um, you don't sound like much of a local. Maybe can you <laughs> can you explain <laughs> the English twang? Well, uh, I was born in Leicester, um, but my dad um, was born in uh, Lisburn, um, just outside of Belfast. His mother and father were born in East Belfast, um, and I think we go back certainly on my dad's side of the family uh, to the 17th century in Ulster. So, uh, so me and my dad are the the, the the sort of first two generations with the English accents, but we've got, we've got some pedigree back there. No, indeed you have. And I say, on, on reading the book, you've certainly a, a great grasp of knowledge on it. Also joining us from the Celtic point of view, delighted to say we have John Reid, uh, who's a blogger and a podcaster. John, first of all, very, very welcome to WFI. How are you? Uh, thanks, Dave. It's uh, great to be here. I'm fine. And maybe just let our listeners know, uh, you know, the podcast you do, the blogs you do, just just a, a little intro, um, and your obviously your relationship to the club of Celtic. Uh, well, yeah, I've uh, been a Celtic fan since I was about five, and now in my early thirties, so a long time, and seen a lot of highs and lows. And the last season was a particular high, going through a league season unbeaten for the first time in about 140 years, and we. Uh, also won the treble, which we've only done the first time in our history. So that was uh, great stuff. And uh, the blog that I run, it's called The Jersey Doesn't Shrink. It's on the SB Nation platform. If you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, at is T-J-D-S blog. So at T-J-D-S blog. And I'm also the co-host of the Glasgow is Green podcast which is a review about Celtic, and we've had a lot of ex-players on, the likes of Craig Burley, Mark Reaper. We had some of the Lisbon Lions on last year, Bertie Old and Bobby Lennox, and we've uh, got a lot of interviews coming up on that. If you follow us on that on Twitter, that's at Gigpod, G-I-G-P-O-D. And ju- just for our American listeners, Jai is J, 
Jack Just took me a wee second just just to get back into the old Get back into the good old Celtic way of going, you know what I mean? Yeah. But listen, I think we'll we'll kick off here because the clouds of doom have closed upon us and the the black horse of the apocalypse are coming up over the horizon. And on the fourteenth of July in Belfast we have this rather controversial tie between Linfield and Celtic. Ben, you know, for our listeners, maybe, you know, say we, we go out to a global audience, uh, you know, obviously I know it like the back of my hand. Mm. <laughs> maybe you can give us a little background on, on what makes this so controversial. I think um, it's probably best if we start in 1912, um, which is obviously famous for something else You're that came out of so Belfast. Much of the good st- so much of the good stuff. <laughs> I thought you were going back Titanic. 300 years. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's just start 105 years ago. <laughs> um, so uh, in 1912, um, Linfield had uh, quite a famous match uh, with Belfast Celtic who were a sister team um, to Glasgow Celtic. And uh, it was a particularly bad time in Ireland. Um, Not that there's been a lot of good ones over the last 200 years, but um, it was, well, it turned out to be just about 10 years before Ireland was partitioned. Um, And obviously Linfield with a major avatar, um, as they still are these days um, for unionism and Protestantism in in Ireland and Belfast Celtic were widely supported by uh, nationalists and Catholics and in the end that was a game that that had to be abandoned that simply just couldn't finish the game um, and then it was a few decades later in 1948 um, where there was another um, incredibly contentious game between the two sides on on Boxing Day of 1948, um, which led to Belfast Celtic going out of the game at the end of that season. For obvious reasons, um, perhaps Linfield have, have never until this Friday had a game against Glasgow Celtic um, because there's that history there um, between between Linfield and Belfast Celtic uh, into the middle part of the last century. And Belfast Celtic actually founded um, with a, a donation from, from their Glasgow namesake. Um, so there was a lot of history there between those two clubs. No, and obviously that donation, given the sectarian nature of the place, automatically puts, um, you know, the likes of a Linfield against that. Uh, you know, John, from your perspective on this tie, you know, obviously it's the first time in your history you'll be coming and, and playing at Windsor Park against Linfield. You know, what do, what does it actually mean to the fan base? Obviously there's a huge disparity here in stature of clubs. You know, your, your ex-European Cup winners, um, as I say, your, your current Scottish champions. Um, yeah. You know, Linfield are, are current Northern Ireland champions. It doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things, not with the European pedigree of any degree. But obviously, you know, given your old firm... Um, battles over the years and and you know th- th- there is that cocktail which exists um you know in scotland what has the fan base reaction uh, you know from the celtic fans been to this one well i think the most of the fan base want is to give linfield a thrashing basically like a five or six nil defeat is because they're seen as like sort of sister team as benjamin said like there were belfast celtic as it was where celtic linfield are seen as a sort of sister team to Rangers as the fans 
share the same sort of views, if you know what I mean. So the real thing, it's mostly been debated the stuff off the park, with the fact that Celtic aren't taking tickets for the game. That sort of overshadowed the game to an extent. For the view of the fans, the fans hope that we give uh, Linfield a heavy defeat in the game. Well, as I say, I've I've been speaking to a few people from home, and uh, certainly that the, 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 they expect a very, very, very sort of tight game in Belfast, regardless of of difference in stature. Um, yeah. you, you know, obviously, Linfield on average would play to say two, two and a half thousand people on a week. Um, you know, they're going to mm. they're they're going to they're going to be close to capacity. I don't think it's it's sold out as yet. There's been a steady flow of tickets, so you know, I would say fifteen thousand plus, and and they will be. Very loud in their support of of uh, especially with with David Healy. We'll get into that in a little bit. But for for you, Ben, along the lines of of this game, what what do you feel it means to Celtic, and what do you feel it means to Linfield? I th- I think this is this is one of their biggest games of the last fifty years. You know, they they got to the early rounds of the Cup Winners Cup and played Manchester City in nineteen seventy, um, and that was a huge tie. Um, and one that they came very close to um, progressing um, from. They they went out uh, on goal difference, um, but but really, I I think well, there was three years before that um, where Lin- Linfield actually got to the quarter final of the the European Cup, uh, what we would today uh, call the Champions League. Um, but but particularly. Um, in the last few decades, it's been a lot harder for, for teams, for smaller nations to progress anywhere beyond the early rounds of, of any of the European competitions. Um, so so this is this is a really big deal um, for, for Linfield. You know, as you say, they, they won the, the Irish League last season and the first time they'd won it for a few years, um, which was a bit of a blip on their part, um, having having won it. Um, probably, I, th- I think, fifty-one times during um, during its existence. Um, so this is really an opportunity um, to to remind people outside of Northern Ireland that that they exist. Yeah, and, and interesting enough as as well that you know Linfield's biggest achievement in Europe was was actually the same year in the same competition when when Celtic actually won the European Cup in uh, in sixty seven. Um, they, they reached the quarterfinals at that stage, but again, football was was it was a different world. It's, it's certainly not the shiny world of the Champions League that we're looking at today. I think they went out to uh, Seska Sofia that year. I'm not sure who it was. I just I, re- I remember that they have been there. I, I, I checked it just in reference in this, but you know, obviously, I think we'll, we'll start to get into the, the little bit of the controversy here. And clearly, um, you know, Linfield have. A lot of this, this, these tickets, and Celtic decided um, they would not uh, take their quota off the tickets in the name of, of peace and quiet. Basically, now I know from reading local press back home and so on that uh, there there was some concerns around reported the police around uh, you know the residents of the area, given the fact that traditionally you know today is the twelfth of July, it's the height of the, uh, the the let's say the Protestant celebrations in Northern Ireland of. The, the victory at the Battle of the Boyne in 1690. I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> it, it's tediously terrible. But, uh, but there it is. It is what it is. And they're, 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 as, as we speak, they're probably still banging their drums somewhere around the streets in Northern Ireland. But two days away from that, um, you know, it, around this time back home, sectarian tensions are always heightened. Now, this year, we have had 
relative peace and quiet last night and certainly there's nothing coming up at the moment um, that there's been anything serious. But with this game looming now on Friday, Ben, do you think that that was the right thing to do to to stop travelling support? Um, Obviously, you know, again, just a little bit more politics on it. You know, the government has collapsed in Northern Ireland as of basically February of this year. There's no sign of it coming back, probably until 2018 even. Um, The two sides, two tribes just cannot agree with each other on anything. It's a difficult one. Um, I I think on a pragmatic level, I can understand uh, why the directors at Celtic... Um, have made the decision that they've made um, out of an abundance of caution. Linfield do have quite a tricky history with Irish-identified teams, um, Belfast Celtic. Um, There was a a particularly uh, contentious game uh, in the late 70s with Dundalk. Um, You know, we we do live in different times today, um, but there's different challenges today um that perhaps we didn't have then there's the looming issue of of how the irish border is going to work after brexit um and the fact that there effectively hasn't been any government in northern ireland um since the end of january uh since the power sharing executive collapsed no indeed and and you know i'm gonna bring john in on this one because you know from a celtic supporters point of view john uh you know had you had the option to, to take a ticket there or, or obviously you know a lot of other Celtic supporters is there dis- is there disappointment yeah. that that they're not getting the opportunity to go across there or you know in in the real world of it would would you look at it and go here you know better off staying away from that well I, I can understand why the club didn't take any tickets especially with the game happening this week in particular and there has been disappointment for Celtic fans especially Seeing as how last year we went to Israel, which is not the safest place, we played in Russia and Ukraine recently, and I think a lot of Celtic fans think that the club are worried that we might end up getting another fine from UEFA. With a lot of fines uh, from UEFA recently because of like banners or flares that we've took to away games, and there's always a threat that they might close a stand, which I think is an empty threat really. But I think really the club are wanting to just like save face and so like if there had been any trouble which hopefully there wouldn't have been then uh, Celtic wouldn't have got like another fine but as soon as the draw was made I thought that Celtic wouldn't take tickets just like to have an easy life basically so there is disappointment for the fans understandably but I can understand the club's position as well. Would you have known of many people who you know who, who would have taken a punt on it had, had they have had the option? Oh yes Mm-hmm, for sure, people would have been over. Oh, aye. Mm-hmm. Especially seeing as how it's a sort of surrogate Rangers game, I suppose. And like the fans would, uh, I'm sure, love to went over and saw us win the game against the a team at Linfield. But, and I think there actually will be Celtic fans at that game, but I mean, they'll probably keep quiet. I'll have to keep for, quiet. For, for sure, there'll be Celtic fans there, um, as I say, just in, in that, guys. Um, you know, Ben. You know, you mentioned there we 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 run the Satanta Cup, which is a cross border cup, and you know, Linfield have taken part in that. And to the greater part, there has been. Don't get me wrong. At the, at the teething stages of that tournament, there there used to be a, a a slight bit of problem, but as the years went on, it, it sort of evaporated. And yeah, but it still sort of shows an immaturity here around Northern Irish football that you. I think I think it's a dreadful shame. 
that you know Linfield have have Celtic coming, and that can't be showcased. And Celtic fans are are ba- not banned, but you know excluded from that. It just, it just seems terrible in 2017 that we're still here. Now you're quite right, and I, you know things have undoubtedly changed. Uh, you mentioned the uh, Satantica, uh, Linfield, even uh, maybe a decade ago, uh, played a friendly against Derry City, who famously left the Irish League and joined the League of Ireland uh, during the 1980s. Um, so things have changed. Um, I think you know Linfield have, have been able to play matches. Uh, against Cliftonville at Cliftonville's home ground, which they didn't do for the best part of a couple of decades. I think when it is a club of the size and magnitude of Celtic, um, I think everybody's uh, walking around on eggshells and, and that's the situation. No, absolutely. And John, yourself, you know, obviously the the, the two teams are managed by, by local boys, basically. Um, you know, we have Linfield are managed at the moment by David Healy, who's, you know, Northern Ireland legend. Um, not much of a club career, but for country, my goodness, the, the, the man was exceptional. And, you know, Brendan Rogers, who... You know, he he doesn't have that link with Northern Ireland the same way uh, as Healy does. Um, you know, even from working within football, um, you know, Brendan sort of suffers a little bit on that score. And uh, sadly, and and the, the saddest part of the whole thing is religion will be something he's grill. You know, he gets a grilling over. Um, it, it would be a, vo- a a very vocal occasion anyhow. But obviously, uh, he's going to get a, a very, very warm reception coming to Windsor Park. Uh, yeah, I think he will. But I mean, he played at Ibrox last season twice. In fact, he played against Rangers six times last season and he dealt with that. So I'll be like, I'm sure Brendan will get a lot of stick, but I'm sure he'll be able to cope with that. No, okay. I, I appreciate, you know, the old firm's one thing, but, you know, the fact that, the fact that they're both sort of local boys, I think, throws. Throws a real sort of extra bit of spice in the in the middle of the mix, and 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 then you know if you really want to break it down into into what the reason that we're here, the sectarian side of it, they're both from different sides of the community as well. It, it you know it, it just it's just a further thing to inflame, basically, or a potential thing to inflame. Possibly, I mean, it might have been possibly even more so if Martin O'Neill had managed Celtic, because Martin O'Neill was an Ireland player, <laughs> more prominent Northern. He was more he was more prominent, whereas I don't think Brendan ever played for. No, well, well, this is the this is the thing, and he he doesn't have you know even even on the coaching side of things, I think Brendan went to the mainland pr- pretty early. Uh, you know he, he had he played for Palomina, didn't he? Yeah, and he uh, I think the highest he made it for Northern Ireland was for the under 15s So he, he, yeah, he doesn't ever make like, he doesn't seem as like, identified as with Northern Ireland as like even Marlon O'Neill as. He was at a Northern Ireland great back in the oh, old he, was, he was the 82 squad. Uh, I think, no, he didn't make the 86 squad, but, but Martin O'Neill was around for a, for a long, long time. And, and may, may I say as well, for, for people who maybe don't know, he, he now manages actually the Republic of Ireland side. But as I say, I think the, the problem for, for Brendan going home is, you know, there'll, there'll, be, a, there'll be a lot of stick there. Um, there's a lot of stick for any Celtic manager, but he, he, he might just take out that little bit more. And it just adds to that. You know, it adds to that atmosphere, John. No, and I appreciate. You know, rightly so. You should be looking at spanking them five or six or or whatever. But the game at Windsor might end up just being a lot tighter than that. Um, just you know, I know from from the national team that stadium can just change things, and you know the the people that go to it, and and the fact that the time of the year and so on 
could have a massive uplifting effect on Linfield. Would would you worry about that? Obviously, you've got the home leg, which I expect you to, to, to really do the business in. But the away leg, I, I do see as maybe a potential banana skin for, for Celtic, John. I'm only really concerned about the fact that we're not going to have any fans there. And I think that'll create an extremely hostile atmosphere. But then I think we've got players that like can rave on that sort of atmosphere, like somebody like Scott Brown, for example, who's a sort of... Sort of tough guy, crossed with a sort of wind-up merchant. So it's a sort of game he'll thrive in. But it could be a close game, you're right. And I think if Linfield like, scored a goal, the first goal, for example, then the crowd would really get into a Celtic. And it'd be interesting to see how we would cope with that. So I think it, it could be a tough game. I mean, I think, that, as you said, in the home leg, it shouldn't really be any difficulties for Celtic. Yeah, it could be a tight game. Well, as I say, he, Bren's not what you class my favourite person, a Liverpool supporter, so it's certainly, certainly not Celtic bias. I would just sort of, yeah, I have a very sort of low opinion of his uh, European credentials, let's say. Yourself, you know, what, what way do you see this one playing out at Windsor? Do, do you think, like myself, it'll be a, a very sort of nip and tuck affair? And, and you know, the potential's there if, if Linfield, as John said, if Linfield nicked the goal. It could be an uncomfortable evening. Yeah, something in the the first twenty minutes would certainly put a bit of spice in the occasion, and and with a full or nearly full Windsor Park can be quite an intimidating place. Um, You're as very, I certainly very know, close um, to the pitch. <laughs> so, you know, if Linfield can can uh, get something early on, um, keep it keep it tight at the back, then uh, we, we could have a, a closer game in Belfast than we expect. Um, I don't expect once it goes back to Glasgow uh, that, that Linfield will be uh, be anywhere near able to match the standard of Celtic. You, you wouldn't even, I, I couldn't tempt you to, to dream, maybe, <laughs> um, you know, if, if they manage to get a result, say say they pull the 1-0, you know, one of those typically Northern Ireland backs against the wall defensive performances. You can't see them being kept out at Celtic Park, no? Um, <laughs> you never say never in football, do you? Um, but uh, but I think with a with a realist hat on, um, you you've got to back Celtic. I think Healy himself has said he just wants to keep the score respectable, essentially. But that's that's what he used to say, Ben. Whenever he was banging goals in for the international team, it was all about ah, oh, Gerald would do us. But you know, it's it's that mentality. And as a player, you know, he the 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 bigger the came the harder the fall as far as he was concerned he had no you know as a player I don't mean no respect but you know what I mean he had no respect for reputations he uh, some of the stuff he did for the national team there and and, and I sort of think that he carries that mentality into management oh sure um and and I'm sure the the whole team you know he's going to instill that in the whole team I think what we've got to remember is that these Linfield players uh, none of them are full time players um so even you know them players completely beyond themselves they're they're not full-time professionals um they're they're not people who players who are who are um earning their full-time living from football um they're not they're not training um as much as these celtic players are they haven't got the same facilities and so on and so forth so so it's not in any shape or form a, a, a meeting of equals and John, I know that Celtic have had a couple of friendlies already. Is it two two friendlies you've played so far? Four. Four, is it? Oh. But uh, we beat Shamrock Rovers 9-0 on Saturday. Well, I think it was a, a sort of Shamrock Rovers and we had a tour of Austria as well. Yeah, I don't really read much of these friendly results or anything. Uh, I just think like that's about getting like players up to full fitness. 
and I think that six players are available for the game on Friday. Are, are you, you know, obviously it, it, it is what it is. It's a qualifying. You have you have to you have to go into the round that you're given. Do you feel it's maybe a bit too soon? You know, it is very early. I mean, we're sitting on the 14th of July and we're starting to play football. It seems like uh, it, it has never stopped. Is it too soon for you, or are you quite happy? Um, you know, obviously this is this is the the, the draw that you get most years. I take it you you would feel that the preparations and everything are are spot on. Well, you would hope so, yeah. But as you might recall, last year in the same round we played a team from Gibraltar called Lincoln Red Imps, uh, who are like of a standard even less than Linfield, basically like amateur, and they beat us one nothing in Gibraltar. I do remember I had a giggle at Brendan more than selling over that one, but again a Liverpool thing. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, not the best start to Brendan's career at Celtic. So, I mean, I would hope that they've learned the lessons. You know, obviously, I have a very, very dim view of, of Brendan Rodgers from his Liverpool time, but clearly he's done wonderful work. Um, north of the border there, you were unbeaten last season. I take it you, you would like to see him there a very long time, John? That's just like, beyond what anybody expects, some interesting signings. So, I mean, hopes are there that we're going to do well this season. Last season in the Champions League was sort of flattered. We lost seven Barcelona, which was in hindsight like a poor result. So I'm hopeful that this season will make a better the Champions League, but he's done fantastic so far. Indeed. And you can see him staying there for a long, long time, John, yeah? Certainly, you know, at the moment, Rangers are not really giving you much of a run of it. No, they're not. I would imagine he'll stay for at least another Two or three seasons, I'd imagine. And then it, I think you might get a job, or they might try and get a job like in the sort of operational loans in the Premier League. No, and I'd seen a thing on Twitter actually that I think it was Scott Brown who had come out and said that, you know, the, the, the team were a bit worried in case, you know, given the success of, of Rodgers and the fact of what he did last season, that, you know, he, he might get some sort of admiring eyes from Europe. I'm not sure. It's too early. It's too, I mean, I think you'll need to prove it more in Europe. If he'd has like a couple of good seasons in the Champions League, but if we get into the last 16, then I think it's more likely for him to get a job back down south. Indeed. And Ben, yourself, um, you know, your, your thoughts on, on what Brennan's done there at Celtic, you know, there's, there's no two ways about it. Uh, the record speaks for itself in the league. You know, it's almost as if he, he had to do that unbeaten um, season um, because because the competition really isn't there. Um, at the moment for Celtic so so he had to to prove himself in in another way and this season I guess it's it's going to be about kicking on and and doing a bit better in European competition you know that that's only going to be good for both Celtic's reputation and his own because I imagine he's got half an eye on another job um, you know, he probably doesn't know precisely which one that's going to be at the moment. But but I I can't see Celtic being a, a, a I can see it being a short to medium term home for him. But but I, I imagine he wants to um, perhaps find himself in the Premier League again at some point. Indeed, and, and another one for John, basically uh, just in around the squad and and things I've been reading in the last sort of week or so. Uh, how confident are you of keeping this? A group of players together, John. At the moment, you know, I, I know that I think Liverpool have looked at, at Tierney, who who seems to be a completely outstanding fullback, and I think even another lad there, Dembele, who who's attracting a bit of attention. Are you confident enough of holding on to these guys for your campaign this season? Uh, I think a lot depends on if we qualify for the Champions League or not. I think that if we don't qualify, then it wouldn't surprise me if Dembele sold in August uh, in the transfer window. And Tierney, I think, might stay for a couple of se- more seasons 
because he's such a died in the world Celtic fan, although I don't really matter much these days. So I think most of the team will stay together, but I think like, extra special. I'll let go every couple of years, like we've done previously with the likes of Fraser Foster and Virgil van Dijk. So I think I don't think it'll break up all at one time. I think gradually the better players will leave and we'll try and do our usual sign a player for low money and sell them for a lot of money uh, routine. So ju- just sort of to close with you, John, I-, I take it you will be be going to the game next week um, in Glasgow? I will be, yes. There'll be Linfield fans there, unlike you know, ones apart with the other fans. I think there's going to be 1,500 Linfield fans there. I think, was what, what, have they asked for more as well, John? I think there was, I read something a couple of days back that Linfield were actually asking for maybe an extension of that. I'm not sure about that, but I know that they have sold all their tickets. So that should be a an interesting atmosphere, especially if it's a like a close game this Friday and the, like, the game's maybe tight at the start. But I, I'm actually quite looking forward to that. It'll be like a, a mini old fun game, in, in some extent. No, indeed, and, and you know, from from the city's perspective, you know, obviously, you know, I would say the authorities there in Glasgow are, are more than capable and more than used to dealing with old firm games and so on and that that type of crowd. But you know, has you know, obviously, there, there's been a big focus on the Belfast leg of it, and maybe not so much on the Glasgow side of it. Um, you know. I take it there'd be absolutely no fear of any trouble or, or, or worry along those lines in Glasgow. They'll say, you know, you're, you're, pr- you're pretty used to it. Well, we've got the at least six Old Firm games a season sometimes, so I doubt there'll be any trouble at the game next week. I mean, I, th- I would expect that the Linfield fans will be going right from the ferry to Celtic Park and then after the game, to right back to the ferry again. So I doubt there'll be any trouble in the game. Uh, maybe if some Linfield fans go to Rangers pubs or something, but... Celtic fire don't usually go there anyway. And there'll be lots of... I imagine there'll be extra police at the game just in case. But we're used to this sort of game. So I can't see there being much trouble. And, you know, you mentioned there about going to Rangers pubs. Is, has there been much from maybe, you know, the blue side of Glasgow? Uh, is there much of an interest in this game? You know, obviously there's a big, big rivalry there within the city. And, you know, a, a very hostile rivalry at times. Have have the Rangers fans obviously after their sort of disaster in Europe? I take it they're keeping a low profile. Uh, they are, yes. Uh, I'm sure some of the more extreme fans, shall we say, will be like taking an interest in Linfield. But the Rangers fans I know are more worried about the state of their own club, which seems to lots through crisis to crisis at the moment than to take anything to do with Linfield. But I'm sure if Linfield the result against us on Friday, they'll uh, let me know about it. Well, I'm sort of thinking along the lines of, well, there's nothing else to shout about in Europe, so and, and that would be a worry for you. Ben, you, obviously you clearly understand what I'm talking about. Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. Um, I, I think uh, for any listeners around the world, uh, it, it's a very short ferry ride between Northern Ireland and, and Scotland. Um, so there's there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of Northern Irish Rangers fans going across to Scotland, season ticket holders. Um, so there is, there is a lot of uh, crossover between those two fan bases. But but uh, I I think John's John's right um, that the Rangers fans are, are probably uh, tearing their hair out too much about their own club at the moment to to be paying too much attention to to how Linfield get on. No, indeed. Well, you know, it, it's incredible that we're, we're sitting having this conversation in the year 2017. It, 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 you know, there's a part of me that just wants to just tear my hair out that, that, that you know, that football is the secondary issue here. Well, listen, I think what we'll tie it up at that point um, and, and leave it there. Before we go, Ben, I'm going to come to you first to go around the table here for, for your plugs and mentions where you can be found on Twitter and so on. 
I, I really want to do a podcast with you, you know, closer to the time that the, that the book is being released. Um, and, and we'll get an in-depth look at that, um, at mm. the time, but feel free to, to, to showcase it once again and where we can find you on Twitter, your blog and so on. The yeah, floor is yours. You can find me on Twitter at Benjamark R. Uh, Benja Mark R. You can find my blog at polyfootmedia.com. That's P O L I footmedia.com. Um, and uh, listeners who go there, you can use the code WFIPod, um, which will get you a pound of my book, the pre order of my book, which is coming out in a few weeks. Uh, so that'll take the paperback version down, I think, uh, six or seven pounds. You can get the ebook version there as well, and you can also get the ebook version on Amazon, Google, the Google Play Store. Well, listen, I'm I'm halfway through it at the minute. You you were very kind to send me a little copy of it, and I can say it it, it it's got me captivated. Uh, I've been ill over the weekend. That's the only reason I, I, I stopped reading it. So I'll be back to it this week again. Yeah, I think particularly for people interested in in this tie um, for the background um, to to the Linfield and Belfast Celtic rivalry. Um, and and some of the uh, the finer details of that, then uh, then that that'll be a really interesting read. Absolutely, and we will definitely for sure get a podcast in around it. And John, yourself again, thank you so much for being on. And uh, just where can we find you personally on Twitter and anything else you mention the pod and a blog? Just feel free to plug it again. Right, you can uh, get me on my blog, the Jersey Doesn't Shrink dot com, which is T. JDS blog on Twitter. That's at TJDS blog. And the podcast that I'm involved in is called Glasgow is Green. You can find us uh, on iTunes and Podomatic by typing either Glasgow is Green or GigPod. That's G I G P O D. And that's our uh, Twitter name as well. And uh, thanks very much for having us on the show, Dave. Not at all, John. Uh both yourself and Ben, welcome back at any time. As I say, if, if, uh, hopefully, when you get through to the Champions League, maybe even do a wee guest for us on our, our wee run the Champions League pod. So it'd be nice to have uh, nice to have a Scotsman on from a Scottish point of view. Yeah, that'd be fine, Dave. Okay, so listen again. Thanks very much to the guys and thanks to the listener. And you know, we have uh, a few podcasts out today. Uh, we'll have a few more out tomorrow. We're we're slowly but surely getting back up to speed with the start of the new season. And I think in closing this podcast, I just hope that on Friday that the, the, the game's played in the right spirit. And I hope that over the course of the two legs, uh, both home and away, that, that common sense prevails and a bit of maturity and that the fans have a great day out and enjoy themselves. And whatever, whoever, the, whoever comes out the winner, may the best man win. Indeed. Yeah. I think we all <laughs> echo that one. So again, just one, one final thanks to the listener. One thanks to the guys. And it's goodbye. <laughs>